we're just so privileged to be able to um, minister alongside you guys. Um, you know, we, uh, uh, what a pastor is, is one who's called to coach all the other ministers. Because if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, you are a minister. If you're a Christian, you are a missionary. And so it's our objective to equip and empower you to do the work of the ministry. And so we work alongside and we lead, um, we lead in doing that, but it really is, is cheering you guys on. And if you're not a Christian in here, welcome. It's good to, good to have you as well. And so you get a little picture of what kind of the, the inside workings are uh, as we talk about these things. But um, what we're going to do is we're going to take, um, uh, take about 15 minutes apiece. And the objective has been just to, just to kind of share with you guys what God's been doing in our lives. Um, I know at least, at least one, maybe a couple of different points. I mean, God's been doing a lot of stuff in us. Uh, he's been changing us. He's been growing us. And we re we, we're not going to hit on all the things that God has been doing. But we, we do just want to share a little bit about what God's been doing to challenge us, to change us, to rebuke us, to uh, convict us. Um, we're thrilled about it. Um, uh, one thing you guys may not know is we now have kind of a, a headquarters for kind of an office space. Um, if you guys know who Scott Smith, Scott and Donna Smith, Scott Smith and Associates has been allowing our staff to use uh, their place on Bob Wallace for about a year and a half uh, to have staff meetings there and it's been a big blessing on on Wednesdays to be there and uh, just a few weeks ago I, I asked Scott I said I said Scott I said what would you think about if uh, Eric and I you know were able to use the space you know a little more during the week um, you know just to, to have a place where we could get together to where not we're just just at our home studying or just in coffee shops and and he uh, he and Donna prayed about it, and they were just so gracious to say, "Yeah, as, as if we're able, as long as we're able to, to do it, we're you know we want you guys to do it. And if if we start filling our office back up, we have, may have to kick you out, and that's fine, you know. So, but um, that's really a big praise because now we're getting more time uh, together in the same space, and kind of we'll be working on stuff. So, hey, what do you think about this? Or hey, this that this and that happened, and so it's uh, the synergy is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, we do a lot of team building things. Uh, one team <laughs> team building thing we did uh, just the other day um, last weekend. Uh, if you've seen Eric's Facebook, you've you've, you've uh, <laughs> maybe seen about our uh, four four wheeler ride that we had out in the woods uh, in a big John Deere Gator. And uh, um, we uh, we and you just have to go and go and watch the video uh, later on. I think it's linked on my Facebook as well. Um, we uh, just to cut to the chase. We got big time stuck. I mean, we went down an embankment uh, or a trail uh, that, that had a big drop off on one side, an embankment to our right, and got it was steep. And uh, we were fine until this gully wash, you know, started getting wider and deeper and wider and deeper. And, and, and I'm straddling this thing and. Pretty soon I find out, oh no, there's a big boulder ahead of us that maybe we can get past it to go down, but I don't think we're going to be able to get, get, get back up. And so it turned out to be, uh, and I had, I had uh, Blake with me and one of his friends, uh, uh, which uh, his parents entrusted to me. Nice. <laughs> and uh, it's about an hour, no, it's about, at that point, about two hours till dark, and we've gone about four or five miles 
out and just as far as I've ever been uh, in the woods and the trails. And it's like, okay, we got a long way to hike out if, if uh, we can't get up. Anyway, we- Did you have fun, Blake? Yeah. yeah he got some stories out of that. <laughs> um, he got some woods cred, I guess, is what that is. But um, uh, we, we finally, we had, to, we had to pile up just huge rocks to ramp ourselves out of the gully several times. And, and it, was, it was pretty crazy. At one point, the, the, you know, I made everybody get out. So if the thing turned over, at least it would you know, try to get me and not everybody else. And it, almost, I mean, it, got, it got pretty close. It was pretty hairy. It was almost there. Yeah. So, but we had a, we had a great time uh, together. And we, we really thank God for how God is, has bound our hearts together as friends and co-laborers in the gospel ministry together. And um, so anyway, we, we just want to take, uh, take a little while and just share what, what God's been doing in us specifically to challenge us and, and change us. So, Eric, there you go. Awesome. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 11. Ezekiel 11, I know you all spend uh, quality time in Ezekiel every day. So... So uh, Ezekiel 11, starting in verses 19, we'll just do 19 and 20. It may be on the screen, yeah, okay. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit, and I will put within them, and I'll put a new spirit within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart I will, let me start over I will remove a heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh and they, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them and they shall be my people and I will be their God and as for those whose heart goes to the yeah let's just stop there sorry it's interesting uh, when you look at this, the, the, that concept of the, the heart of stone versus the heart of flesh. And uh, when I was reading through this and, and preparing for uh, today, this, this is very applicable to what God's been doing in my life. Um, in another version, in the New Living Translation, they actually changed the words to say a stubborn heart and a tender heart or a responsive heart, which I like. Um, I, was, uh, I was saved in college. Um, God began to do a work in my life my sophomore year in college. Uh, I was at the University of Montevallo. And um, I, I remember days that I would, uh, I, was, I, had a, I had came back home and I was uh, uh, sharing a, uh, a house with a, with a friend. And, and there were days when I would uh, uh, just cry myself to sleep at night out of joy for thanking God for pulling me out of this pit that I was in, pulling me in out of uh, this gutter that uh, I felt like I was in, this, this life of isolation, this life of uh, just, um, uh, just terrible life that I was living in college. And he came in and he rescued me and he, he, he changed me. And I would cry uh, just like a prom queen, man. I would just like lay in my bed and I would just be praying and thanking him and saying, God, you're so good. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you. And just thank you, thank you, thank you until I just, I'm gone. And that was just night after night after night. And 
you know, just thanking him for his mercies. And so let's fast forward to last year. That's, that was 17 years ago, 18 years ago. And um, so last year I'm uh, in my private devotions and, and, and some readings. I was doing a, a reading through J.I. Packer's book on knowing God. It's a, kind of a second read-through for me. And uh, so uh, reading through it again, the new edition, and, and just examining things. I was reading about the love of God and the jealousy of God and the wrath of God and all these attributes uh, of God. And it's very interesting to me because I would read it and it was just kind of ho-hum. I, I got that. Go to the next chapter. I, I got that. It was weird. I was reading about the love of God and I really distinctly remember the Holy Spirit just saying, you need to reread this chapter. Okay, I just felt like, man, I got I to go back and read this again. So I went back through it and read the chapter again. And the Holy Spirit says, um, you, you need to go back and reread this chapter. And I was like, okay, three times? Good grief, what's up with this? And so I read it the third time and still just kind of like, ah, I'm not sure what's going on, you know, just not, I got it. It's, it's a love of God. God loves me. He sent His Son, Jesus. There's a cross. There's blood. There's a resurrection. What's the big deal about that? And the Holy Spirit says, Eric, that's your problem. There was a day when you would lay on your bed and you would cry. And you would cry yourself to sleep and you would thank me and you would talk about all the wonderful graces and all the wonderful love that I've given you. And now 17 years later, it's just a heart. It's a heart of stone. It's a stubborn heart. You've got scabs on your heart. The cross doesn't affect you like it used to. The resurrection, resurrection doesn't affect you like it used to. And I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away. And just to, just to have God say, you've got a hard heart. For goodness sakes, I'm a pastor. What's up with that? You know? I mean, how, how, how can I have a hard heart? How can I be that desensitized to the love of God through Christ Jesus on a cross in a tomb for eternity? How does that work? And so I began to pray. I began to confess to to, to friends, to David, to guys I'm discipling, and just begin to say, you know what, I've got a hard heart. You need to pray about this for me. You need to, you need to, you need to plead to God that he would soften my heart, that he would, he would take this uh, a plow and just rip this hard, stony heart up out of me. And God, through his grace, uh, began to do that. He began to, uh, he began to take what, was, what the Scripture says is eternal life, this, what the Scripture says is power. And he, and he began to make that real into my life. It just wasn't data anymore. It had become, through the years, it just become data. Just like, yeah, I got that. Some guy died and he rose again. Whoopee. No, no, no. It, it, it's supposed to change. It's the power, the Bible says. This kind of manifested itself in a counseling session that I was doing where this person was asking for help was asking for advice we were eating a meal together we were talking and 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 all that i gave I, it was just i was like giving them this pragmatic advice this this hey if you'll just do this step and this step and this step and this step man everything will be great and man god bless you and then later on that evening as i was thinking about the day the holy spirit again said all you gave them was good advice and you never gave them good news 
And that was crushing. That was crushing to know that I gave somebody that the gospel is not good advice. The gospel is not 15 steps and you're perfect. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God to live uh, the Christian life. So I was, I was thinking of, of how does this happen? How did this happen in my life? And um, I think many times we view the door of, we, do, we view the, the gospel as the door to salvation. We view that as just a, an entry point and then we're done with the gospel. We're finished. And that's not the case. That is not the case with the gospel. And what has happened is we, we, we go through the door, we, we, we use the gospel in a sense to, to become saved because it is the power of God into salvation. And we're going to Romans 1, uh, 18, or 1, 16 in, in that area. And, and, then we, 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 and then we think, well, I can do it on my own now. Wow, thank you, God, for saving me. Now it's up to me to pull up my bootstraps and, and work hard. And man, I, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's all about me now. It's sanctification by my own works. And while there's a part of that where we, we meet God and we, we begin to do things uh, as God directs, but it is God directing. It's the Holy Spirit living in us. It's the Holy Spirit uh, initiating those works that we do. It's not us just trying to figure some new scheme out to, to do something for God just so that we'll, we'll please Him. So these are, these are the things that God began to, to, has begun to show me. I began to, uh, it, was, it was a godsend that we went to that uh, Death to Performance conference a few months ago because I began, began to see that oh, I was so performance-based. And David and I were talking about that, how that we, 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 we talk about being performance-driven instead of gospel-driven. We talk about how that, that uh, we, just, we just think if we, if we work harder and, and, and longer and just, and just you know, put all of our effort and time into things that... Uh, uh, That'll correct things, and that may be a. We may need to do that, but outside the Holy Spirit, it's it's worthless, it's pointless, and and this is what um, the Lord began to show me. Uh, it has begun to change me that 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 I need the gospel. I need the gospel every day. I need the gospel to take this this heart that Ezekiel talks about, this stubborn heart. I'm stubborn. Ask my wife. I mean, she'll she'll tell you. She'll confess that fault for me. And, uh, and, and, and I, need it. I need God to bring this tender heart in. I need to be sensitive to the gospel. I need to, I need to, I need to walk. I need to, I need to ask the question every day, how does the gospel apply to this situation? How does the gospel speak to this situation? I'm talking any decision. How does the gospel speak to this? And so these are the things uh, in, in recent times, just talking to people about as soon as, as soon as my feet hit the floor in the morning, the question I ask myself is, is, Okay, Lord, the gospel needs to inform my life today. The gospel needs to inform everything I do today. And I am prone to just forget the gospel and prone to do it myself. And, uh, and, and so every morning, sitting on the side of the bed just saying, All right, God, put my heart in line with the gospel. Put my heart in line with the power because I can't do it on my own and I don't want to do it on my own. I don't want to be powerless. And so... Uh, I just remember the, the church in Galatians. Uh, the, the church in Galatia, they, they had the same issue. Uh, Paul says in Galatians 3, talking about, and I'll just paraphrase, but, but how that they, they began in the Spirit. They began in the Spirit, and all of a sudden they thought they were going to be made perfect in the flesh. They thought they were going to be made perfect by their works. And Paul's like, no, that's wrong. That's the whole pro- the point. You can't do it on your own. And so, anyway, that's, uh, that's my rambling. And uh, 
these are some things that, that God's uh, uh, been uh, certainly stirring in my life, and I'm excited. Even when we were in staff meeting, we're going through the gospel-centered life as a staff. And, oh, I, you know, I'll, I'll confess to you that uh, I, I, I was like, good grief, just another curriculum. Ugh. And, and, I, and I didn't really put any effort into it in the beginning. And I, really, I just was like, whatever, we'll go through it. I'll throw out some answers. We'll be done, and we can get on to the more important stuff. We can get on to the nuts and bolts of how to run church and do church. And um, that first lesson, wham. I don't, I don't care about nuts and bolts, Eric. I care about you getting the gospel. And that whole, le- all these lessons, these lessons that we'd be going through, the ones that we'll go through in Journey Group in a few weeks about how the gospel applies. And this last lesson, uh, six or seven, whichever one we were on, uh, just, just powerful. Every one of these things, it's like, wow, we've got so much work to do. And that sounds terrible, but it's got to be done in the Spirit. The work has to be done through the Spirit. And we've got to just surrender uh, to that. So feel free to interject. Or um, Yeah, the timing is really neat for us to, to do this today because the week after next, uh, we're going to launch all of our journey groups into this study called The Gospel-Centered Life. And... Uh, you know, we're we're not hardcore and and pressing uh, all our all our leaders to follow and do the same thing. Uh, we stay in Scripture and we press as far as biblical community and being missional together and being evangelistic together, but um, allow a lot of autonomy because um, we want we want people to seek the Lord together and see what God has to to say. Um, but occasionally we're like, you know what? Let's we need to go through something together to where everybody kind of gets on the same page and um so this this study called the gospel centered life um as as uh as my brother mentioned we went through it um went through it and we're almost done with it as a staff our students uh they, they've been getting together mm-hmm. uh, on sunday nights they've been walking through it and there's even pockets of discipleship groups that have been walking through it and just speaking as far as the leaders and the staff it it's really rocked our world um uh, not because of the truth of some guy who wrote a study, but just in pouring into Scripture and, and allowing, um, allowing our gaze to change to find how, how the gospel is central to everything. As, as Eric said, that, that it's, not just, it's not just an event in a person's past, or if you're not a Christian, something you consider doing is getting saved or being born again. Um, salvation is a series of events um, you, some of you have heard the theological terms uh, justification, sanctification, glorification. These are terms that uh, are past, present, and future that describe um, the, the, law, the process of what salvation is. Um, now, know that if, when it, when a person, if, you, if a person begins in the doorway of justification, you're locked in. There's no, there's no pulling the plug you know, there's there's no losing. You know, if you if you're justified, you will be sanctified. You will be glorified. Uh, there's a scripture um, that you're you're not going to see up here, but it comes out of Romans that talks about this. It actually goes all the way from eternity past, brings to present day or wherever it was that which God you heard the gospel or you will hear and understand the gospel, and and come to a place of complete surrender and faith. But then takes you all the way past your death, and it says for those. Whom think about this uh, on the timeline eternity past, talking about God, 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And that brings to the present of, in our life of, of when the gospel, the, the, the incredible news that God became flesh and that God uh, took on sin upon himself. He was completely righteous. He took unrighteousness upon him. He, he put it upon him. Uh, and, then, and then his death took and paid the, the price, the penalty for all of that sin. Um, so that later, you know, thousands of years later for us, um, that, that we would come to a place, an aha moment, where, where we understand, okay, I don't just need the data. I don't just need to have spirituality. But I need, I need my heart to change. I need my life to change. And, and you, you're actually recognizing that because your heart is beginning to change. God has grabbed a hold of your life. And, and you hear you hear for clearly. It's like, not only do I hear, but I, I believe it. That's the calling. You're called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Uh, it doesn't mention sanctification in there. It mentions justification and glorification. Um, but it's, it's beautiful because he mentions this as a done deal. As a God who doesn't exist within time and space. He's not bound bound by time and space he exists outside of it and so even though we're walking through time and God works through time he is outside of time so in some strange way we men I mentioned this yesterday in our gospel class intensive that God in a way that'll just blow the circuits he's he's already back before there's a universe he's he's here right now in the middle of the timeline of the universe but he's already He's already at the point in which the consummation, the completion of the whole deal, he's already there. We're not, but he is. And in a way that we can't fully grasp, he already sees us as we will be. And so that's the reason why it's, it says those whom he justified, he also glorified. He, he looks upon it as if it's a past deal. It's not past for, for us, but it's a present reality for him uh, because it's secured. If, if you hear and if you respond to God, if, if he adopts you into his family, you will never be unsunned or undaughtered. Okay? And so I got that. I get that. So, okay, where, where's, the, where's, the, where's the part? Where you've been changed, Dave? What, what's been challenging you? All right, well, I get this whole justification by grace alone of being saved and come to, come to repentance that it's, it's, it's a thing that God's got to do. He's got to open my heart. That I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not moral or ethical enough. No person is. John 3 says, there's none good. There's none righteous. There's none who seek God. I get that. I get that none of us can be good enough to make that leap to God. God's got to make the leap to us and, and, and give us the new birth. Um, but and, and I've mentioned this in teaching. If some of you guys, for some of y'all who've been here, I've mentioned that God's been showing me that though I, though I believe in justification or, or the beginning part is by grace alone. I've been living as the sanctification or the growth, the works, that that's, that that's by my, my hand. It's, it's, I've got to do it. I've got to figure it out. 
I, I've, it's, it's as if, okay, all right, I've looked at it as the, it's the, the beginning of the race is, is when God call, you know, he calls me a son, or he calls you his daughter. And, but then from then on, it's up to you, Dave. You know, you, here's the do's and here's the don'ts, and you better get it right, you know, because I'm going to frown upon you greatly when you screw up, you know. People are counting on you. If you don't preach right, people will go to hell. Try that one on one day. You know? Dave, if you don't, if you don't pastor well enough, people are, people are not, they're not going to grow. Um, now, are there some very real um, pressures and weightiness and gravity to the calling to preach and the calling to pastor and the responsibilities that are that God does place on me? Absolutely. And that they put that he places on Eric, absolutely it is. But I've been living it out as if I had to do it. It was up it was up to me. And and, and now here's I, I didn't think it was entirely up to me. So so let me let me clarify this. Let me, let me paint a picture. I, and thinking about today and how to explain these things, I was, I was thinking through, I was like, well, God, God how, how, can I, how can I draw a picture of it? Um, and it, it came to me. Um, it was as if I viewed Jesus as the greatest quarterback that the world has ever seen. Greatest. That he did not, he never missed a pass. I mean, he hit it right on, right on the numbers in the chest every time. He never threw it behind the guy. It was always just in the right spot. He never threw interceptions. He always throws it directly to the receiver. I looked at my, I, I've lived, been living my life out as if I'm the receiver and God is the, and Jesus is the quarterback. And Jesus is like, here comes peace. Here comes wisdom, Dave. Strength. Courage. You know, all these things, you know, and, uh, that, that I know I need. And I was like, and, but I'm like, I'm like jumping around and I'm like, ah, oh, crap, fumbled that one. You know, I'm like, and I look at Jesus and you know, you know what it's like. And you're playing backyard football or something like that. You miss, you miss the catch and automatically you look at the guy who threw it. It's like, it was your fault. And so I'm kind of like, well, it's, dang, it's not his fault. And so I look at myself and, and I'm, I'm just thinking through, I'm like, God, I, why am I not catching the passes? Why am I not receiving the strength? And, and here's the deal. Here's what God's been revealing to me. And it's rocking my world. And I think I'm just at the tip of the iceberg on this. So uh, bear with me as, as I learn. I've been focusing way too much on what's in Jesus' hand instead of gazing into His face. Do you know... You want to know what the deal is? The good news about Jesus is not the peace he brings. It's not even the salvation he brings. It's not the wisdom he brings. It's not the strength or the courage he brings. It's not the love that he brings. It's not the joy or the elation he brings. You know what the good news of Jesus is? Jesus. Do you, do you know what the great thing is? Is, is again, it's as if I, you know, I mean, I, I've been having just probably viewing God as far as my sanctification, my growth in more of a transcendent place. And transcendence, if, 
uh, just to remind you, transcendence is when something is very, very different and very separated from you. And again, it's like, okay, God, get it to me. Get the strength to me. You know? And you live days out there, you're not strong enough, and you're just like, why, why am I not strong enough? Why am I not, is Jesus not, is He not providing the strength? Or am I not catching the strength? Have you been there? And you're looking at it, and, and pr- pr- chances are you're viewing it. It's like, okay, I think today is like, God, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you because I really want to catch it. I really want it. So you must not be giving it to me. Or the days when, again, you're looking, it's like, I'm just, I'm just such an idiot. I'm just, i got butterfingers. I can't catch it. But you know what the truth of the matter is? It's not about God transferring His stuff to us. It's that God Himself lives in me. The Holy Spirit brings everything of the Godhead, of the Father, of the Son, and of Himself, the Holy Spirit, in residence within me. So guess you know what that means? All the wisdom I need is in God within me. All the strength that I need. It's not just out there or being passed to me. God has it. He has it. The courage that I need. God's got all the courage I need. Some, some of us, man, lots of decisions ahead of us. It's like, oh, i got to catch the wisdom. i gotta, I got to have the knowledge. Please, God, please don't let me join. It's like, dude, God's in you. And he's got all the wisdom that you need. So you know what the problem is? It ties all back in together of what I've been teaching for years of what it means to walk in the Spirit versus walking in the flesh. It means that, <laughs> duh, I've been walking in the flesh way too much. Walking in my strength. You know, um, Paul told us, do not quench the Spirit. And I'm like, putting two and two together, I'm like, gosh, that's the deal. God's within me, and what I'm doing is I'm suppressing God. Don't let God out. Careful. What am I thinking? God is within me. He's got everything that I need. He is the good news. He is the power. He's the strength. And it's just like the only, the only way I will not live in His strength is when I deny Him, quench Him, suppress Him, and walk in my own strength. The only time I won't walk in His wisdom, same way, suppressing God. In His courage, same thing, walking in my own courage. And I'm like, why has it taken 40 years for me, to, for me to get this? But then I'm like, okay, but thank you, Lord. I don't want another 40 years to go by. I don't, even, I don't want another year to go by. This has been huge for me, and, and um, I, I want to share with you uh, a little from Psalm 73. I mean, I mean, think about this in light of suppressing God, or to, even to a degree when we're, when we're, we're trying to, to do everything by our, own, by our own strength, and I'll come back to that here in just a second, but, but just check this out of really what it means when we suppress God, when we quench the Holy Spirit. Now, now if you guys, again, if there's some of our friends, I know there's, there's, a, there's a few that, that aren't Christians, and, and, and this may not make any sense to you because it's just kind of inside stuff, but I'm telling you, if you're not a Christian, this is the greatest news in the world because you look in the mirror like I do, and, and we, see, we see the 
the end of our strength. And we see the end of our courage, the end of our ability. But for a Christian, when God actually indwells within you, man, it is the greatest news in the world. And so I, I commend Jesus to you. If you're, if you're not a Christian, I, I, I actually command you the way Jesus had. It's Jesus' command, repent. Repent and believe. Uh, turn, turn to Christ. Um, so, but check this out, what it's like for me when I suppress God. I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Dude, when I read that, I was like, oh, arrow to the heart. Because it's, it's so right. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. You know what? No matter how a son treats his dad, his heavenly dad, dad is always there. Dad, through the Holy Spirit, is in, in you and has secured you. Sometimes we consider my security is also based upon how well that I do and how good it is. Listen, it's not. Your security, if you're a Christian, your security is not based upon how good you do. It's about how good Jesus is and that he has secured you. Verse 25, um, and this is, this is really the key. This, um, this is the one that I want you that I've been meditating on. I want you guys to meditate the second part of this particular. Whom have I in heaven but you? Look at this. There is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. You don't know where God's working on me? He's saying, Dave, that's not true of you. There are plenty of things that you desire besides me. And you know what I desire? I desire a lot. Sometimes it's I desire good things. I desire godly things. Sometimes I desire to be a, pa a better pastor or desire to be a better husband and dad. You know, I mean, those are good desires. You know, I desire to be a good a good preacher, a good disciple maker, a good leader. I desire these things. But you know what happens? It can get to a place where I desire those things greater than God. They become an idol because I attach my identity to those things instead of God himself. And um, I'm telling you, it is incredibly convicting, but it is incredibly freeing to have the clarity. Some of you right now, the Holy Spirit, not because, who cares what I'm saying, but because of what the Holy Spirit is saying to your heart, he is bringing clarity to you because he wants to bring freedom to you. He wants to identify there are idols in your life. There are things you desire greater than God. And some of them are good. Some of them are e evil and wicked. But anytime any of them are in desirous more than God, there's an evilness, there's a wickedness that's there. Verse 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That, that's another incredible one to, uh, to memorize. You know, and... and and what I'm, I'm seeing, I'm putting on some new glasses now as I'm reading through Scripture. All of a sudden, I'm not looking, because God has gifts for us. He has lots of, He's got destiny. He's got dreams. He's got vision. He's got all kinds of works, all kinds of things He wants to do for us, all kinds of things He wants to do in us, all kinds of things He wants to do through us. But our strength is not in those things. Our faith and our security is not in those things. It's, it's in God Himself, you know? 
I mean, I, I just love, the, I love the, uh, the honesty there. My flesh and my heart may fail. Guess what? My heart, my heart and my flesh, they do fail. Because I seek after other things more, more than Him. They fail. But you know what? Even there, even when I'm being my own strength, do you know, where, do you know that God still is the foundation I'm on? And He still is looking at me and saying, Dave, I am your strength. Not peace. Peace is not your strength. Courage, not security. Not having, not having such, this amount in the bank account. Not having this title. Not having this relationship. Not having these friends. I am your peace. I'm your security. I'm your strength. And I am your portion. Forever and ever and ever. You know, we're, we're all looking for things. We're all looking for stuff. We're looking for material things. We're looking for respect. We're looking for love. And out of all that we're looking for, every one of those things that, and, and if you're, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, if you analyze whatever it is that you're aiming at, that you're desiring, I'm just telling you, those are just glimpses that are to point you to your greater need in Jesus. And that He says, I'm your portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who's unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the Lord my refuge, and that I may tell of your works. It all boils down to whose works is the focus on. Is it about me and all the stuff that I'm supposed to do? Is there supposed to be some great works that God does? Yes. But you know how it's really going to happen when I focus on, on his works? Lord's Prayer, we just had this big series walking through it. You know what it says in there? It says to pray, God, may your kingdom come here on earth as it is. May your will be done. You know, reverse engineer that. It's like saying, Lord, don't make my kingdom come here on earth. Don't make my will be done. I need your kingdom, God. I need, I need for you to come. I need for you to be my strength. Um, you, you know, a verse that I, I memorized as a kid that all of a sudden putting on those spectacles again of like seeing that God is the good news, God's the gospel, God's the strength. Um, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. You know what I keep kept focused on for the long... Man, that became this PMA, positive mental attitude verse. Like, well, I can do everything. I can do everything. It's about me. I, I will look at all the stuff I can do now because God's going to pass the strength to me. And God's like, dude, I'm your strength. You can do things. You can do the things... But it's through me, through me, through me, through me. Dave, hey, Dave, where are you going? Dave, Dave, I'm back, I'm back here. You're running, you're running ahead of me. Dave, he'll get it. <laughs> you know, I've just seen, have seen God as a vending machine. You know, God, here's, here's my 50 cents. You know, God, I'm doing my works. Give me that Diet Dr. Pepper. The wrong thing comes out. I said, here's my works. Here's my quarters. I want the Diet Dr. Pepper. God, I'm putting the money in. You owe it to me. You know, that's how, how I am. That's how we are. When we focus so much on ourselves and our, our works and stuff like that and what we're doing, it turns into being a 
crowbar, a leverage point to where we say, now, God, I've done my part. You better, you better do your part, which I say looks like this. Isn't that, that ugly? Somebody's like, dude, that guy's a pastor. Um, anyway, I, I, I just, the, the, so the main point that I, I bring through all of this, there's one point in this. God is all I need. God is all you need. Um, as I was going through this, I'd never read through uh, John Piper's God is the Gospel. Eric had, and he highly, highly talks about it. And so this week, there's one chapter I read. Uh, I think it was Friday. And, uh, and I'm going to read the rest of the book because it's so good. But I just want to read this, read this out, of, out of here and then want to get some comments from my brother. Um, all the enticements to God that are not God are precious and precarious. They can lead us to God or lure, them, or lure us to themselves. They may be food or marriage or church or miracles. All these blessings bring love letters from God. But unless we stress continually that God himself is the gospel, people will fall in love with the mailman whether his name is forgiveness of sins or eternal life or heaven or ministry or miracles or family or food. And that's just the good stuff. That's not even the bad stuff, that we, the wicked stuff that we go after. That God, God's the gospel. And so my, my biggest thing that God's telling me is like, I'm all you need. Good stuff. Um coupled with that and and and, and uh, just the things that God is showing me and God's showing David the here recently just being freshly affected by this idea that we are loved more than we can imagine I didn't get that um, a lot of times we uh, we view the way someone the love someone has for us, again, by the performance that we have, by, by how we perform. Well, if you do this, then you, know, you must love me. If, you, if you'll do these things, you must care more about me than this person that doesn't do these things. And what God is saying is you, to me, and, and, and what I want to say to you, is that, is that there's nothing we can give God. There's nothing we can do for God, for Him to love us any less. He loves us so much. And, and that love, and, and you hear that, and if you do a study of the love of God, you always find that God's love is always coupled with Him giving His Son. Listen, I'm a father of two teenage girls who are here uh, in this crowd somewhere. Listen, I'm not giving them for anybody. I'm just telling you. And I've said that before, you know. There, there's nobody in this room or in this world who I would give them up for. But yet God did. God gave His only Son to live the life that I, I and you and us, we, we can't live, couldn't live. We can't live that life. So Jesus lived that life. He died the death that I wasn't willing to die. And he raised from the dead because I can't do it either. 
It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about God doing the work. God, if God had not come to, to me and God had not come to David, I would not have gone to God. He had to initiate it because I am that wicked. You are that wicked. Just accept it. I, I know that's hard for somebody to believe. We're that sinful. We don't desire God. Romans 3 tells us that we, we don't seek after God. We don't, we don't, and, but God loves us so much. I'm reminded of this scripture in Ephesians. He may grant you, Ephesians 3 actually, if you want to look at it, 3.16, that He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Get that. Let that transform your heart that you can have the love of Christ in you and it surpasses. You don't have to fight for it. You know, some of you, you just maybe you've had bad relationships, bad home life. I don't know. Maybe you've you're you're, you're out there seeking things. You're you're struggling. You're trying to find. Man, if I just find this right thing, or if I just find Mister Right or Miss or Miss Right or whatever it is, if I can just get land the right job, if I can just find the right friends, if I can just have the right stuff, if I can just have the best TV or whatever the situation is. And God says that Jesus Christ, His love, that we need to understand that, that His love, we can't even understand the breadth or depth or height of His love. And that we need to, we embrace His love, that, that we know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. Get that. That you and I can be filled with God's fullness. That's a mystery. That's, a, that's powerful. That God would... God would bring his whole Godhead and live inside here and live inside you without just blowing this thing to bits. He loves us that much. Embrace it. Pray about it. Spend time asking God to reveal his love to you. Because that's, that's, <laughs> that's the only hope we have. I, I, w- I was thinking about this the other day, and, and as I've been sharing it with, with several of you, that, that a lot of people, they, they will come to us for counseling, or they'll come to us for you want our opinion, or they want this or that. And, and man, i got all kinds of opinions. I'll let you know about them, you know? But the bottom line is, when it comes to life change, all I've got is the gospel. I don't have, David doesn't have anything but the gospel. You don't have anything but the gospel. All we have is the gospel. All we have is the good news. Anything else falls short, you know, because the gospel applies. The gospel is the power. The gospel is what transforms. That's it. Well, how do I fix this? The gospel. How do I fix my marriage? The gospel. How do I fix my work relationships? The gospel. How do I fix this conflict I have with, with friends? The gospel. It all, the gospel answers the question. The gospel answers, it informs, it tells us. And it's just a matter of us doing the, taking the time to see how Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, how that God's story of redemptive history from, from creation to glorification, how that applies to us. 
and it does. Know, know that you are loved more than you can imagine. And God loves you through Christ. We, we just in, invite all of, all of you, all of us, come to Jesus. Yes. Come to Jesus. I mean, he's, he's, he's all you need. He's all I need. Um, if, uh, if, he's, if he's changed your heart, if he's made you born again, you have everything you need right there you know he's given you a new heart and that new heart it, it it then can really hear from god if we don't suppress suppress him uh we we uh all the stuff we've been learning is not attached to this study that that we've been going through this is what god's been doing for about a year in our lives or, or more but um but this this study uh, we are we really do feel this is something god has led for the entire church to go through and so you guys get ready um uh, if you're not a part of a journey group yet, now's the time. Now's the time to jump in. Uh, so when we start in a couple of weeks, uh, that you can be right, right in there with us. Um, so find out what you need to to uh, to jump in. We we it's a great time uh, to to jump in as well because others will be doing that. Um, it it is it is an honor. It's a a joy uh, to to serve to serve y'all as pastors. Yes. Um, uh, we don't believe there's a separation between clergy and laymen. You know, there's not something greater uh, about us because we're pastors. It's just our role. It's like there's not something better about a dad than a mom or a mom than a dad. It's just roles God has, has given. 